Welcome to the podcast where you eavesdrop into conversations between my friends and I on a weekly basis. My name is Lily Jo, I'm a singer, songwriter and I perform shows all over the world. I'm a qualified counsellor and an emotional well-being coach. You can also check out my award-winning online mental health resource, The Lily Jo Project. I know you will find gems of wisdom within the conversations that I have with my friends. Hopefully you will find tools and resources that you can hold on to, try and test for yourself all around the important subject of mental health and personal development. I am so pleased to welcome you to today's episode of Eavesdrop. Welcome to today's episode of Eavesdrop. I am so excited because today I'm in conversation across the Atlantic Ocean with Joey Papa. Hey, Joey. Hey, how's it going? Really good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we're going to have an open and honest conversation today about mental health and about self-care. And I know that's something that you are passionate about and something that you've spent a lot of time living through yourself and also promoting and advocating for across all your media channels. Yep, absolutely. So can you maybe start by just sharing with the listeners a little bit about your journey and what brought you to this point where you are so passionate about mental health. Yeah. So I um, was born and raised in New Jersey. And for most of my life, as far back as I can remember, I've always battled with depression. Primarily anxiety came later in life. Um, And in my adult life, I've had a lot of various difficult circumstances. Um, we have five kids. I lost my fourth child. She was three and a half years old. So went through a major loss and grieving process, which I'm, you know, still in, I think it's a lifelong process. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, she was born with medical condition that was never diagnosed. So we don't really know what was wrong with her, but it was just three and a half years of living in fight or flight, constant Mm -hmm. emergencies all the time. Um, That toll on the rest of my family and my marriage, my marriage fell apart this past year, Um, went through a huge depression, ended up getting hospitalized for suicidal ideation about, it's probably been now about two years ago, Uh, definitely hit one of those lowest lows um, and then compile on top of that 2020, which I'm a freelancer. And so I'm in video production, all of my shoots got canceled with no reschedule. And so in the midst of that, my son got diagnosed with leukemia. So there's been a lot of difficulty in the last five years of my life alone. Um, and it took me until I'm 42. It took me until about 35 to really begin to understand that mm-hmm. I was suffering from depression and anxiety and the anxiety really exasperated when all of those traumatic events that happened to me, um, was living in constant states of panic. Mm. And, you know, anxious, uh, still to this day, I find myself if something gets lost or is out of place, even something small, like my dog has to go be seen at the vet, I have, it triggers me back into a state of panic, even though it may be something that is seemingly insignificant, you know, to a normal person, Mm. Um, my body and my mind start to react as if I'm in the middle of a tragic situation. Mm. Um, Logically, I know I'm not, but you know, my subconscious doesn't know that. And so I, I had to learn how to relate to myself and care for myself. And 
in essence, be my own counselor. Um, I have seen therapists, you know, in these last few years and um, currently on Lexapro for anxiety. And uh, those things have been really helpful. But, you know, I really think we are our own advocate before anyone else is. And so just learned a lot through life, currently studying to be a mental health counselor as well. So getting my master's in that while I'm doing my film production at the same time. So a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like more than one person should be able to withstand. So you are obviously someone who has just boundless amounts of resilience and courage. And I just want to honor that because that is just absolutely incredible. So for anyone who is listening to this episode, who has maybe even just faced one of the things that you've experienced, what would you say, obviously you've mentioned medication, you've mentioned counseling, you've mentioned being your own advocate. Was there anything else in particular, any kind of self-care practices or any things that you know work for you? So if you're in a really bad place, let's say you feel like you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. What is that go-to thing or those go-to tools that you would use that help you if you remember to get out of bed? Yeah. Well, like I said, I still have cycles and, and down days or even down weeks. And for me, the number one thing is people. Um, I do, during my crisis time of uh, getting hospitalized and really facing severe depression, um, I knew that I couldn't care for myself. I was beyond that place of even caring enough to care for myself. So I began to really reach out to some really close and trusted friends. And through that process, we actually even went deeper and developed more of an intimate friendship. Um, and for me, I know myself now very well to know when I'm not in a good place, that is my first place I have to go. I reach out to, I have about three or four very close friends mm-hmm. that have been through thick and thin with me. And I know not everyone has that. Um, I'm very fortunate to have that, but these are people that I feel like are closer than family, you know, and I'm very vulnerable and very honest with them. I will say what's on my mind. I will force myself to be very uncomfortable um, in disclosing thoughts or behaviors or whatever I'm doing to cope. Um, Because I think human connection is at the basis of what we're all after. And I know we're all wired different. I know some of us are more introverted, some of us are more extroverted, but regardless, we're all looking to be seen, to be heard, to be affirmed. And when I feel that, when I'm able to, even if I just text some of my friends, the things around my mind, there is a release that happens mentally where I now feel like I'm not alone. And a lot of my friends live thousands of miles away. Some live in Colorado. Another one lives in Charleston, South Carolina. And so these aren't people that are, you know, in my backyard, uh, but I can still feel that sense of closeness and affirmation, even from a distance. The other thing that I have, and I've always known this about myself, but when I was in a severe depression, could not get myself to do it, which was exercise. Um, I know that exercise is huge and it made me so frustrated when I would hear people say that when I was in the middle of my depression, because I just could not mentally even get myself to brush my teeth, never mind go for a run, you know? Um, but eventually I got to the place where one of my good friends was like, listen, you know, you've always, you've ran most of your life, like physically. 
And that's always been so good for you. You need to just go find a gym, pay the money so that you are committed and do it. And so I joined Orange Theory, which is a chain throughout the US. And um, I started doing that, hated it. It was like mental torture for the first two weeks. But after that, I started seeing the benefits of it mentally. Mm. Number one, mentally. And so I've stayed, I've stayed committed to that. Another thing that works for me is journaling something between the, the mind and the hand and getting it out on paper does wonders for me as well. Sometimes it's, it's a form of, uh, talk therapy, I guess, but you're not really talking, you're writing these things out. So those are my go-tos people, um, journaling and exercise are the three things that if I'm in a really bad place, and again, this isn't like easy to do when I'm in a bad place. I literally feel like I have to drag myself mm-hmm. to send that text or to get up out of bed and put my running shoes on. Um, and I basically force myself to do those things because I know, you know, we're talking about self-care. Those are the things that I need to do for myself to yeah. be in a better mental state. And so I've learned how to discipline myself to go against even what my mind or body are telling me that I want to do and do the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. And actually, you're right in saying that our minds, our brains are wired for comfort. You know, our brains want us to stay cozy and comfortable and safe. And so that means staying in bed for longer than you should. Like, why would you want to go out into the big wide world where it's unsafe and go for a run? You know, and, and our brains are just wired to keep us safe and, and almost small and protected. And I think that is that struggle you describe of like fighting against your brain and going, no, I need this. I need human connection. I need exercise. I need to journal. And if I do those things, it will help me to feel better. So thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, I think that's the true essence of self-care. You know, self-care has become a buzzword in the last five to 10 years. And I think a lot of times people think of self-care as like, oh, I need to go get a pedicure and then go get a massage. And like those things obviously are great and beneficial, but real self-care is knowing yourself, getting to a place where you know what you need. And it's almost like you become your own parent, like you're parenting yourself. You know, like I know what my kids need, even though they want to sit on Netflix all day or they want to stay on Xbox all day. That is not good for their mental health, for their physical health, for their social life. And so I at times have to put restrictions or discipline on them to force them to do something like clean their room or mm-hmm. go for a bike ride, you know, those types of things. And so for me, self-care is really having that self-awareness of knowing the things that I need to do in order for me to be in a better place. And for me, I think self-care always leads to the ability to be there for other people. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's a fine line between self-care and selfishness. You know, I've heard people say before, oh, I just need to get alone and have my self-care and do what I want to do or whatever. But if that's true, it should lead to a place of where you're more in a healthy place so that you can be more available for the people in your life that need you, like your children or your spouse or close friends. And so for me, self-care should always produce a greater sense of availability for other people, you know, and if it doesn't do that, I would question maybe the motive or is it really genuinely self-care or is it just trying to fulfill, you know, some desire you have to make yourself, you know, feel more pretty or to feel more attractive or whatever it is, you know? 
Yeah, so that's so interesting because I've never actually thought of self-care as parenting yourself before. Now, obviously, I've heard it described many times, and I often use it on the podcast myself with that description of, you know, you're on an aeroplane, the plane's going down, the oxygen masks drop from the ceiling, fit your own oxygen mask before fitting the oxygen mask of the child next to you or the person next to you. And I always obviously thought, wow, that's so interesting because you would almost instinctively as a parent fit the oxygen mask of your child, but actually fit yours, then you can help them. So I've heard that before, but I've never really seen self-care as a form of parenting yourself. I think that's really interesting. So thank you for that. I'll definitely be like considering that going forward. Yeah. It's like, you're your own leader. Like you have to lead yourself and there's Mm -hmm. a part of our subconscious this is my own opinion, but that is very childlike, you know, and a lot of times when we're experiencing anxiety or other uh, mental disturbances, our subconscious is trying to get our attention. And a lot of times we end up either disassociating or we suffocate it or we try to suppress it. But if you do that to your children, what are they going to do? They become more unruly, more rambunctious. And that's what we do to ourselves when we just try to to excuse it away or not, not pay attention to it. You know, our subconscious starts to get more and more unruly because there's something within our minds that is looking for attention and it's looking for guidance and direction. And we're the ones fortunately and unfortunately that have to do the work in order to comfort that side of us, to bring instruction to that side of us. So, yeah, I, I, that's how I see it with myself. You know, I'm always like stepping into that leader mode for myself. Being the CEO of your own life. I love that phrase. (laughs) What do I need? What's going to help in this situation? How am I going to be more available for other people? I love that. So good. So could you just talk to the listeners about your kind of purpose and your calling and your creativity and how your video production and your filmmaking and things, how that helps you to positively bless the world, help your well-being. Like talk us through that because it sounds like you really are sitting in your purpose, which I love. Yeah. So my tagline for my business is telling stories that matter. Mm -hmm. And part of my passion is to amplify the good in the world. And so obviously media is very powerful. We all know that it rules the world in every form and fashion. And if I can create media that helps people to see the good in the world and to amplify that because we tend to see a lot of the negative and the bad, the downsides of humanity um, and really, you know, put a spotlight on people or organizations or businesses that are doing things that are making an impact in people's lives. I believe in the, the power of storytelling and sometimes storytelling is the most effective way to get into someone's heart and soul and to inspire them or to trigger something in them to see something differently for the first time. Um, And so not all of my work accomplishes that goal. Some of it is for, you know, brands and businesses that are selling a product and whatever. But my greatest passion is to work with companies and nonprofits that are, you know, making a dent in the planet for the good um, to really help people see that. And it is creativity has always been something that I'm able to channel my grief, my sorrow, my depression through, and I find it to be very cathartic, very therapeutic for me. So I didn't mention that in my things, but a lot of days when I am feeling down, I will create. Um, Creativity 
is very life-giving for me. I've always been very creative since I was a young kid. Um, and I identify, you know, with that process. It's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when my daughter passed away at three and a half years old, I ended up making the documentary and that documentary is what fueled. I went from being very numb to the world. And once I engaged in that process of creating that documentary, it gave me purpose for her life and her death. And I could find myself, um, my, my grief, you know, the power of grief is so intense, but I was able to channel that into something positive. And I, it brought a lot of healing for me. It made me feel very connected to my daughter and, um, accomplishing, you know, trying to raise awareness for children with disabilities and special needs, you know, throughout the country and the planet. So that creativity and, and, uh, my mental health go hand in hand. Wow. I know I'm really depressed when I am not creating. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Great. That's incredible. And I totally hear you and connect with you on that in terms of, for me as a songwriter, as as an artist, writing songs, creating music, is definitely something that I've missed during the pandemic. Um, It's definitely something that I didn't feel like doing. You know, I think I was in that place where I was like, I was fighting for survival and creativity was on the back burner, you know? And so I know like you, that when I am creating and when I have the energy to create, um, that's when I'm in a good place. Um, So totally connect with that. And I know there's been studies done, hasn't there, on like creativity and and alleviating anxiety and depression, just kind of 45 minutes a day of creativity can really boost your mood and your well-being. So it's yeah. crucial, really, even yeah. if it's just painting a picture. I know through lockdown, I did some very hilarious life class, life drawing classes <laughs> that were awful, um, but they gave my family a huge laugh to, to, to witness. So yeah. even if you're not good at, at being creative, it's about doing it anyway and just expressing yeah. yourself, letting that inner child play, like we talked about earlier, really, letting that inner child out and create. And it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, just getting it out there is so important. Yep. So I want to know, and my listeners will want to know where they can connect further with you. So we will put all the links in the description, but I would love you to connect with us further and for us to kind of promote you as much as we can, because what you're doing in the world is so important. It's so vital. It's so needed. Um, uh, just your vulnerability and your uh, willingness to speak out on this really deep and private and personal conversation, I think is just so admirable. So thank you so much, Joey, for sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I'm honored to be here and talking to you. Um, Yeah. The best place to connect would be on YouTube. Uh, The name of my channel is Joey Talks and it focuses on mental health for the everyday person. Um, I'm not a professional, but I am someone who has lived it and I'm gaining the knowledge, you know, by going through school, but I have found so much healing in myself and other people through, mm-hmm. through vulnerability and publicly being vulnerable, giving people permission yeah. to grieve or to confess that I do deal with suicidal ideation or anxiety or whatever it may be, trying to break that stigma, make it more normal. So Joey talks on YouTube is the best place. I do have a private Facebook group, which people can find out through uh, the YouTube channel. Um, but that has been really great for a lot of people. I mean, most people in the group, I don't know them personally, which is what I want. I want to expand and reach people who are just 
looking for support. And so that's been great for people who just want to vent or want to, or want the opportunity to encourage other people, you know, and mm-hmm. so that Facebook group there. And then my um, business page is joeypapamedia.com. So if anyone wants to check out any of my work or watch a few of the documentaries I've created, that is also there um, as well for people. Thank you so much. I'm sure that my listeners will be excited to get involved with your group, um, excited to go on your YouTube channel. And um, thank you so much for your time today and for your um, your soul sharing. <laughs> it's been incredible and sure. such a blessing for me. So thank you so much, Joey, and you take care. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, you too. See ya. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, why not share with your friends? Please check the description box below for extra links and further information to some of the topics discussed in today's episode. Also, you'll find information about what's coming next. For further information, top tips and advice on all kinds of mental health issues, including low mood, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders and more, please do check out www.thelilyjoeproject.com. You can find my music across all digital platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. See you next time.